Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right. How you doing, everyone? I'm Ross Salzberg, and one more time, I want you all to listen up here and get a load of this. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it, none whatsoever, folks. Madison Square Garden was definitely, most definitely the place to be this past weekend. But for the home crowd, all did not go quite as well as they would have liked. So like I said, listen up, because you're really going to want to get a load of this. And, you know, we've heard so much, folks, so much in sports in sports, about home ice, home court, home field advantage. Time and time and time and time again. And uh, I vote, and l- listen, a lot of times it makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm, there's no denying that. The, the however, the however, the but, whatever you want to say about it is this. When you get a t- if, first of all, if you're going to be a team that goes into enemy territory and take care of business, you have to have two, two traits that there's no, no question. You you have to have it. You have to, of course, have talent. If you don't have talent, you're up the creek without a paddle. All right. If you don't have the talent, you're not going to be able to get the job done. But what you also have to have when you're going into enemy territory, is guts and courage. For lack of a better term, you got to have a brass set of balls. Because if you don't, you're, you're a dead team walking in. You know, I used to say this, and I'm not taking anything away you know, when he was in his heyday, Mike Tyson. When Mike Tyson used to go into the ring, I, I to this day I say it about people, half his fights were won because the opponent was crapping in their pants. They were in, intimidated before going in. There was no confidence. You could see, instead of guys, you know, working, walking into the ring with a nice sweat on them, they were cold and scared. Scaredy cats going in. If you're scared going in, if you're you're afraid to to hear the crowd and to hear this and to hear that and afraid to look your opponent in the eye, you're dead. You're dead before it starts. And that brings me up. Let's start off with, when I say all did not go as well as the home crowd would have liked, let's start off with the Knicks. Because the Knicks were home yesterday and everybody was pumped up for game one against the Miami Heat. All we heard was, since we knew they were playing each other, oh, man, this is going back, you know, to the the, 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 the 90s and, and the, the great rivalry with the Heat. Ba-da-beep, ba-da-bop, ba-da-boop, and the Pat Riley stuff. And listen, I lived through it all. I was at all of them. I lived through them all. Got, got a chance to see it all up close. And you know what? That heat, Knicks rivalry, to the players themselves, to the players themselves, these players, some of them weren't born then. 
They weren't born yet. So, so like, they're not all wired up over this. They're wired up because it's an opponent. They know Madison Square Garden is a tough place to be. You know, quote, unquote, it's called the Mecca. I don't know if that's all true. And you're, you're talking to somebody, as you know, ain't no doubt where I'm from. I'm a born and bred New Yorker. Okay? But really, when you look at this, I mean, the Miami Heat, first of all, they don't play like no number eight seed. And right now, they are tournament tough. First of all, they almost didn't even make the playoffs because they almost didn't get out of the playing rounds. Then they're a number eight seed. They dispose of, of the Bucks. And in, in in the last two games, Jimmy Butler scores fifty six and forty two. Well, you know that's been discussed already. But this team was coming in with true grit, a grinder mentality, and talent, i.e., Jimmy Butler, and talent. And they weren't going to be scaredy cats. They weren't going to be afraid. And it. They had to be able to weather a storm. And my goodness, did they weather a storm before emerging with a 108-101 victory. That first quarter, I was on a phone with a buddy of mine who I knew was a big Knicks fan, and he was all I knew he'd be all excited. Knicks were winning 32-21 at the end of the first quarter. Look, we know how the NBA is, but it was 32-21 at the end of the first quarter. And... 22 of those 32 points were in the paint. In the paint. I mean, think about that. In fact, when the Knicks were up at the half, 55-50, 40 of those 55 points were garnered from the paint. I spoke to my friend again. I said, you know what? Bulls didn't look good and they're only down five. Then everything changed. Everything changed in the third and fourth quarters. Everything changed. And the Knicks ended up shooting seven of 34, folks. Seven of 34. Think about that. Seven of 34 from three-point range. Now, you have heard me say this time and time again. I mean, I, I, I was saying it about the Cavaliers in the previous series against the Knicks. You've heard me say it far too many times about the Nets. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. You live by the three, you die by the three. 7 of 34, after being so good in the paint, to me is not acceptable. It's not acceptable. And, and, and I, I just didn't understand it. The guys kept going to the well and going to the well. I, I mean, you look at the way guys, other than Obi Toppin was 4 of 11. All right? Brunson was 0 for 7. 
Now, now to, to his credit, and, you know, Brunson ended up with 25. R.J. Barrett was one of five, but he was fantastic. Uh, he ended up with a team high 26. I mean, 7 of 34. What were you thinking about? You know, in that first quarter, the Heat were 4 for 17. They ended up being 13 of, uh, what the hell is it, 13 to 39. So from that point on, they went 9 of 22, which is a significant improvement. But 7 of 34, you couldn't put the ball in the ocean. Why did you keep going to the ocean's well? It made no sense to me whatsoever. And and you folks, you've heard me enough. I'm not one of these X's and O guys, okay? I'm, I'm just not. I, I, I'm not one of those X's and O's guys. I, I'm, you never hear me get into that. Well, diagramming this play and diagramming that play. But, I mean, to me... You, you, you're going clang, clang, clang goes the three. Clang, clang, clang goes the three. What good it do you? So now, now that the Knicks are in a very dangerous position. Now look, yeah, they're down one. They lost the game at home. Well, you know, that's no good because already they give up the home court. Now, most people expect this game, this series to go seven. But the Knicks now, they got to get the upcoming game too. They got to get the upcoming game too. Because let me tell you something. You go down 0-2 and then you got to think about it for a few days before going back to my, going down to Miami for games three and four. Then you're in a must-win situation. Because these Knicks aren't, they're not playoff tough yet. You follow? They had a very good playoff series against the Cavaliers. And, and you've heard me say this last week. Part of the reason it was so good, and I taking, I'm taking nothing away from the Knicks, but you know when they say it was great defense by such and such team? Sometimes that great defense is attributed to the lousy offense. It wasn't... A lot of times it's not so much that a team shut the other team down. Sometimes the team shut itself down by not being able to put the ball in a hole, by going clang, 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 clang goes the three. And that's what the Knicks did. I mean, 40 of those 55 first-half points to give them a five-point lead were in the paint. Then they painted themselves into a corner not being able to hit a three. Seven of 34. It ain't rocket science. And what the Heat did, besides showing their toughness and grit, because that's what you want to do when you're in enemy territory, they took the crowd out of the game. And you could hear the crowd murmuring. You know, after that first half, they were very uncomfortable. So, yeah, the crowd's going to be revved up again. 
for Tuesday night. They're going to be revved up again for the next game. But that revving up won't last very long if the Knicks come out with another clunker like they did. And this was a clunker. There, there can be no disputing that. This was a clunker. So let's see what they're going to do. Let's see if they can. You know, all this talk about New York being the Mecca. And again, like I said, I'm a born and bred New Yorker. But if you want to show New York toughness, you got to also have, in this game, you got to have some New York, New York smarts. And that's what surprised me. That was not a smart, smartly played game by the Knicks. Not at all. Not at all. Now, that was the bad news for the home crowd this weekend. The good news was on uh, Saturday night, game six of the Civil War. The Tunnel Civil War. New York, New Jersey. Rangers in a must-win situation come up with the 5-2 victory. And now we got, what do we got? We got game seven tonight. Back in Jersey. But this has been the craziest series. If anybody says to you they expected this series to go, this way, they're lying. They're not telling you the truth. When I said Civil War, I meant Civil War. I, I meant edge of your seat excitement. You heard me say last week that, you know, to me, the most exciting thing that I've, I've uh, as I said, I've been to Super Bowls and championship games and, and all this other, you know, you know, World Series, NBA Finals, Stanley Cups, all this. I've been to them all. I've been to them all. And you know what? With all of them, with all of them, I felt that the 94 Eastern Conference Final, the 94 Eastern Conference Final, if you didn't hear me say it last week, between the Rangers and Devils, was the most exciting thing I was ever, ever at, ever involved in. Not one, not two, but three double overtime games. So that's why I call it Civil War. Okay? But... As I say, if anybody tells you that they expected these games to go like this, the games, the series starts in Jersey. In New Jersey. The Rangers win 5-1 and 5-1. Okay? That, that's outscoring your opponent 10-2. 10-2. Then it gets switched to Madison Square Garden. So now the home crowd, and including the media and everybody, they're just drooling. Oh, what the Rangers are going to do? Now they're coming home to, to the unfriendly confines of Madison Square Garden for the opponent. Devils win 2-1. Devils win 3-1. Series goes back to New Jersey. Devils win 4 nothing. So in those first five games... The Rangers scored 12 goals. Right? 5-1, 5-1. 
then they lose 2-1 and 3-1, they get shut out. Whereas the Devils scored, what they do? 1-2, 3-4, 11 goals. Now we go to the, the must-win for the Rangers game six. And what happens at the Garden? And believe me, that first period, the entire first period, the Devils took it to the Rangers and they were winning one nothing. But then a strange thing happened on the way to victory. Not so much a strange thing, but a bad thing from a Devils perspective. They got hit with a penalty late in the period and with 25 seconds left in the period in the garden, in the garden, what happened? The Rangers scored. And if there's ever a, a time to lift a team, especially if you're down, it's especially if you're in your own building and you score the tying goal, the tying goal in the last 15, uh, last 25 seconds, that means from being a nervous wreck, being down and kind of despondent, now you go into the locker room tied and with a ton of momentum. So if there was ever an inopportune time for the Devils to get a penalty, that was the time. Very, very inopportune time. Very, very bad timing. And from there, just was another 5-2 victory. So you look, look at it. My goodness, in the three victories, the Rangers have scored 15, excuse me. Yeah, they've scored 15 goals in their victories. They've scored a total of 17 goals. Think about it. Seventeen goals. But it's tied three games apiece. What's going to happen in game seven? You know, I said it before. I, I told you, folks, I expected it to go seven. I It is going seven now. As for who I think is going to win, I don't know. Each team has proven they can win in the other team's building. You know, now the stakes have been increased. Because now, for both teams, there's no tomorrow. It's not just for one team. Now it's both teams, there's no tomorrow. You know, the Rangers weathered their storm in a no tomorrow game in their own building. Now they go back to the other building. And you know that that building, the Rock in Jersey and Newark, is going to be wacko, super fired up. So as I say, as, as I said going in, it's civil war, not for the faint of heart, but but again, it's just, it's a great rivalry. It's one of the best in sports. I've said it numerous times, but the series just hasn't gone like I expected. I mean, you're talking about five ones, five ones, and five twos. Those ain't sitting by the edge of your seat games. 
But this is not about style points any longer. This is about just getting the job done. So can they get the job done? Can the Rangers or Devils get the job done? We're going to find out tonight. We're going to find out tonight. Now, something struck me switching uh, sports here. Let's go. We went from the hardwood onto the ice. And uh, now let, let's go to onto the diamonds and baseball business. And this, to me, you've heard me say it over and over and over again. I want any and everybody to make as much as they possibly can. But you've also heard me talk about fiscal responsibility. I mean, if a player is worth a boatload of money, a Brinks truck, a gazillion dollars, God bless. God bless if he can get it. And the one criticism that you hear me say in sports, I'm all for people making money. What the only thing that I don't like is when, 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 when let's say an owner makes a mistake by giving somebody a boatload of money, and that automatically raises the bar. So in tune, the the, the rest of the owners are obligated to make the same mistake because the bar has been raised financially. I don't buy into that. If you make a mistake or I make a mistake, why do you have to follow and make the same mistake? Is that union rules? You, you know, you know what I'm saying. But the reason I'm bringing it up, the Yankees signed Carlos Rodon. Six years, a hundred and sixty-two million dollar deal. Okay. Six years, a hundred and sixty-two million dollars as a free agent. Coming from San Francisco. Rodan, what's today? Today's May 1st? Rodan has yet to throw a pitch for the Yankees. He has yet to throw a pitch for the Yankees. Okay? Justin Verlander signed a two-year deal with the Mets for $86.7 million. It's May 1st. He has yet, granted a three-time Cy Young Award winner, he has yet to throw a pitch for the Mets. Again, it's May 1st. And then you have Jacob deGrom, who broke my heart when he left, but DeGrom left for five years to the Texas Rangers for $185 million. And uh, here's Jacob DeGrom now. Yeah, he started six games. He's on injured list now with uh, forearm tightness. This is tight. That's tight. My underwear's tight. Whatever's tight. Think about it. What are we talking about? $162 million, $185 million, and $86 million invested in those three pitchers. Think about that. Right? Think about that. $162, 185 and 86 
That's 433 million simoleons invested in three pitches. That's not exactly what I'm saying is the respective teams aren't getting a bang for their buck. They're not getting a pitch. Not a plug nickel. And to me, common sense at some point has to prevail. Again, I'm all for anybody making as much as they possibly can. But you're giving pitchers these kind of contracts. And and, and we're talking about, I mean, is it a waste of money? I'm not saying that. But it's a month into the season. The Yankees have seen Rodon on a mound for them. Verlander hasn't been around. That well, he might come back this week. Mazel tov. And then, then what can we expect right away? And and the Rangers don't know. Now, now they're scratching their heads and holding their breath on the Grom. It's crazy. It's just bonkers. It's just nuts. So I, I again, I'm all for everybody making a lot of money, but you you think about it, folks. How much are you willing, as an owner, willing to put out? And don't forget this too. You know, all three of these guys. You know, it's kind of different sometimes if when you feel oblig, obligated to give a guy a boatload of money. If, if he's your homegrown, if his career, for example, if Rodon had been a Yankee or DeGrom, you know, like, you know, DeGrom was a Met and, and Verlander was coming from the Astros. They, they're not homegrowns, you, you know, so it wasn't like, okay, we got to pay back this guy for his services to us. No, they're all on new teams and look what's going on. The system's broke. No, it's not my place to smarten up the owners it's the owner's place to smarten up and having said that before I bid you farewell today special mention of Stephen Curry a game seven a deciding game seven against the Sacramento Kings in Sacramento the Warriors win yesterday 120 to 100 and he scores the highest amounts ever in a game seven, 50 points. 5-0, 50 points. Nothing else needs to be said. 50 points in a must-win game seven enemy territory. Ain't no tomorrow. You know, you heard it, me say it, and other people have said it. You know how you measure an athlete? When they want the ball, when it counts. Who wants to take that shot? Who wants to take that shot with the game on a line? Who wants to take that shot when all the chips are on the table? Who wants to be in a batter's box when it's all there in the bottom of the ninth and you're down three and the bases are loaded? Who wants to be on the ice? in the last minute of a deciding game seven. Stephen Curry, baby, let me tell you, kudos to you. That was not a good performance. That was not a great performance. That was an all-time, out-of-this-world performance. And with that, my friends, as I congratulate Curry, 
This is a wrap on today's Get a Load of This. Now I'd like to be getting a load of you. Let me know your thoughts on today's podcast. You can do so on Twitter at Russ Salzberg. You can do it on Facebook. You can also check out my website at russsalzberg.com. Got to thank my home here at believe.com because I tell you each and every week, Believe is the number one podcast network for professionals. Above all, got to thank you, the people out there, because without you, the people out there, I'd have nobody in here to be talking to. And again, as I remind you each and every week, please make sure you download the Yes app if you haven't done so already and tell your friends and family to do the same so you people can do what other people are doing. They're getting a load of me on Get a Load of This every Tuesday on my video podcast on Yes and the Yes app. So that's a wrap again on today. Thank you all for being here. Until next week, it is I, Russ Salzberg, saying to all of you, bye-bye, so long, and farewell. Have yourselves a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.